Why is it that making assumptions is so dangerous? Why do we do it? And how do we stop? Find out. A new episode of The Wheelhouse begins right now. We're back. Welcome to Season 6 of The Wheelhouse. I'm your host, Dr. Grant Chandler, founder and CEO of Students Matter. In Season 6, I am once again delighted to host a roundtable discussion with two of my favorite leaders in education, two of my favorite humans, Penny Brockway and Catherine Money. We are focused on one of the foundational components of our framework, accomplishment-driven leadership. In season three, I explored the five arenas of accomplishment-driven leadership, how to plot a growth trajectory, and then how to use those arenas to do what matters most, serve our students by growing our people. In season four, when we began the roundtable and Kathy and Penny joined me, we continued exploring ADL, thinking about the paradigm shifts we need to make on our journey to become accomplishment-driven leaders. In our last season, season five, we explored this new destination, how to talk about it, how to think about it, and how to bring your team with you as you depart on this journey. And now we've arrived at season six, we're going to use our thinking as accomplishment-driven leaders to tear apart one of the most damaging aspects of the status quo, looking at everything, doing everything through a deficit lens. In fact, it's so destructive, I think it's driving people in droves to go find a new line of work. Together, let's tear it apart, learn to think through the great work we must all do, but shift it away from deficit thinking. What does that look like? Stay tuned. Join us and take a listen. At Students Matter, we believe it's our priority as educators to prove to each student and each educator that they are distinctive and irreplaceable. Together, let's continue to step up to this incredibly important challenge and add additional tools and skills right into our wheelhouse. Hello and welcome back to The Wheelhouse. I am Dr. Grant Chandler and I am with two of my bestest friends, Kathy Money and Penny Brockway. Welcome back to The Wheelhouse, my friends. Hi, friends. Thank you. It's good to see you two again. You know, no matter when we tape, whether it's in the early morning hours or in the evening like it is today, it's still dark. It's like <laughs> we, do, we do tend to gather in the dark, don't it's we? It's just always dark. I wonder I what that says about our, our friendship. What is it like? Just what I was going to say. That's an interesting message. I'm going to go with like the whole bookend of a day, right? Oh, We're either know. at the front or the I'm gonna like really positive like we want to either start our day together or end our day together how about it that Penny? is a and great way to look at it no and it's how true dark the world is you are the light oh <laughs> that's a little over the top but we'll roll with it that's right I think that's gonna make the cut oh, <laughs> brighten up the whole world right here in this space absolutely <laughs> So obviously, in keeping with our our theme of stopping, you know, this deficit thinking, this looking at everyone from a deficit lens at everything. Why does education need to be 
you know, organized through this view of the deficit lens. We've looked at things that we need to to stop looking, you know, using the deficit lens with, and we've um, you know been talking about people. So two episodes ago, we said, hey, you know, we really ought to stop looking at our colleagues, you know, teachers and administrators and our, our other colleagues from this deficit lens. And we, of course, extended that to students in our last episode. Like, really? Why would we do that? Why must we look at students from a deficit lens? I think I used the word disgusting in uh, that episode because that act is horrible. And, you know, so it only makes sense. It only makes sense to continue this conversation with our last group that often becomes the you know, bears the brunt of that deficit lens. And that is, of course, our parents and families. Uh, and again, this is about not looking at our parents and families from a deficit lens. And we know that in this industry, that often does happen. And this podcast and this series in this episode and season is all about stopping that right stopping that that it is not that is not team building that is not student building that's just ridiculous so that's our theme our our, our topic for this episode is let's continue to talk about why we shouldn't look at our parents and families from a deficit lens number so, 1 they are our teammates they are the one of the but the greatest factor in helping in helping move the needle to support a student and um we wouldn't have an opportunity with that student if it weren't for the parents and so when i think about why why not look at them with a deficit model why not because they're they're the greatest impact on a child's um environment and a child's growth. Uh, so we have to embrace that. But Penny, it's just so much easier to blame. Mm -hmm. So much easier to blame parents, blame the family members for the those challenges, opportunities that we have with with their children. So isn't it just easier to blame? Mm -hmm. And we go there, don't we, when we don't understand. Yeah. When we've never walked, and we haven't, we've only walked in our own shoes. Everyone's story is unique and different and special and full of twists and turns we can't understand for the good and for the challenge. But that's where we go, I think, automatically when... Um, when we don't understand is then we blame because we don't know what else to do, maybe. And so there are people listening, I hope, there are people listening to this episode and to this season and they're saying, oh, oh, but, you know, we don't do that. Schools don't look at parents and families from a deficit model. And I'm going to say, au contraire, my friends, they absolutely do. And evidence of that is in this complete and utter lack of trust between parents and families and schools, right? Mm -hmm. Because parents and families are reluctant to come and ask for help because they know 
they know that there are some, not all of us, not all of us, of course not all of us, but they know that there are instances where they are being looked at, scrutinized from that deficit lens. Yeah, there's so many. Yes, judge, judgment, totally. There's so many different families that I think about, you know, that have immediately coming to my mind throughout my career, but one in particular that um, a district that I was, I was a principal in, there was a parent that, that had a reputation in the district because there was a lot of judgment going towards this person because she, she was a strong advocate for her, for her children. And um, I remember this conversation where she came in and she came in strong. She came in hard. And I simply sat down and listened to her and the tears came and the, and the understanding of her journey, her story, and taking the time to be able to humanize her and understand what it was that she was attempting to do and why she was coming at it in the way that she was completely changed our relationship and therefore the amount of trust that she had in me and our school and the teachers to be able to make sure we were doing right by her children. And it was a matter of not judging having a conversation, being human, and that trust was immediately, I want to say restored, but it wasn't there to begin with because of all of the stuff she came to the table with. But I think that is such a huge piece of um, of the answer, Kathy, is, is that piece around trust and helping helping them see that you're you're thinking of them and um, I there's a particular parent that I'm thinking of also with a student who you know has has some needs for special transportation and pieces like that that we have to work through, and I think at the core of the parent she feels like it's all a burden on others, and to be able to walk along beside and say this must be so difficult because there's complications and mixed messages and information that doesn't get passed along well because you know communication's always an issue, um, and I just think in her voice and in the way she responds to things, I feel like, you know, she's feeling like this is a burden on others and she doesn't want that. So I think parents can come from that too, when they know that their student has needs that maybe some others don't have, but in reality, every single one of them has something that that we're meeting a need for. Um, but to help with that, to be a listener, as you pointed out, what a huge... Um, what a huge demonstration of why we're really here. We're here, we're here to be your partner in this work and together to support whatever your child needs. But let's just be real for a minute. There are parents and families that that don't don't demonstrate sound parenting skills. There are parents and families who make it far more complicated to educate their children. And there are parents and families who make it very difficult for us to do the work that we try to do as educators. So how do we spin that 
so that we don't look at that from a, because we often will look at that from a deficit lens. Oh, if these parents would just, if this family would just, you know, whatever, we, we tend to talk about those, especially those circumstances where it's a family that's difficult to, to, to work with for whatever reason, right? For whatever reason. And we tend to project, <laughs> we tend to project our parenting skills or our, or our perception of our parenting skills on, onto, onto other people. So how do we, how do we, what, what do we need to do to stop that? That's a vicious cycle that comes up kind of naturally, not intentionally. What do we got to do there? 10 times out of 10, in my experience, um, it's been about the relationships. And it's not me even beginning to presume that I understand any of their circumstances or journey. But what I do understand is that we both want what's best for their child or their children. And my job is to ensure that the education part of that is taken care of. And so we together are going to figure out what does this need to look like. But you can't do that if there's not a relationship. You can't. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to pretend like, Grant, that's not frustrating, that there isn't great frustration in that. There's great frustration in every relationship in our lives, no matter what. Um, but, you know, when you have the parent who's the screamer or the yeller, and I'm thinking of a particular person that way years ago um, I made inroads with because in the screaming and the yelling, right, to be able to somehow help diffuse that situation and then sit down and speak with them in a way that was about completely about what their concern was. But when you have that opportunity to help de-escalate that and push into that and then build their trust, as Kathy spoke about, I don't think the story is any different with anybody. It just starts in different ways. And you have to keep trying until you can until you get to that point. And as much as I think it's the hardest work um, because of the frustration and because sometimes you don't get access to parents very easily. They shut you off intentionally because their experience with others in the education system, or maybe even with you, has not been good so far. And so they shut you out. So you have to keep trying because what I find is that there's almost nothing more rewarding. When they start to turn, their kids start mm -hmm. to turn almost immediately. I have not yet met a parent no matter how skilled they are in this thing called parenting, mm. right? Not sure what that really means. How I've skilled not, are any of us? <laughs> exactly, right? But I've not met a parent yet who isn't doing their very best, even when their very best is not what we would consider to be the very best parenting. And there are lots of things that get in the way of that, right? There's, I mean, we could go on and on and on and list all of those things that that get in the way of somebody doing their, but, you know, of, of doing that parenting thing, that thing we call that, um, in a highly skilled way. Uh, but I've not met you one yet 
who isn't trying to do the best they that they they can for their child right and i think part of this has to be that we have to recognize that and let them know that we recognize that right and we should be seen as a source of support and help this should be the place where they can come and say i don't know what i'm doing <laughs> right i need help with blah 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 i you know and we should be able to we should be able to help them. That's what we are here for. And yet so many of them, they're really struggling. So many of them run from us because they don't perceive that we really want to help them. And that's been their experience. Sometimes it's the experience before they ever get to you. Yeah. yeah. You are school. And you have to remember that, that that's the hat you wear. And so you are like all others that come before you. And so sometimes you have to break down a lot of barriers and it takes a lot of work. And sometimes it's pouring into their child in a way that no one has before. Um, and they see that, they hear that, um, they see their child acting differently um, towards you or toward their teacher because of that sense of belonging we talk about that we work so hard to build um, in in a classroom as an accomplishment driven teacher. You're you're building. You're trying to build that all, all the time. The children start to to respond differently when that happens. And when their parents see that, you have to watch for that open window. I think to dive into that and to really lean in and say. Here's an opportunity. They're going to start to notice a difference in their kids. Assumptions are just so incredibly dangerous. Mm. I, I, as we're sitting here talking about this, I'm, I'm thinking of a of a, a a story, a real true life story that I heard um, with colleagues. You know, Bill Parrott and Kathleen Budge did did some um, poverty work in the state of Michigan when, when I happened to see some of, of their work and they, they tell this story and I've heard it in multiple states. It's, it's not a story connected to Michigan. It's a, it, but it's a story about, you know, the, uh, attendance and this middle school kid was you know, late to school every day by, you know, 10 or 15 minutes or sometimes a little bit longer. And you know, tardies became absences, and then there was truancy, and they would they made phone calls and they sent letters, and none of that, none of that was responded to, and they were going, you know, they were making all sorts of assumptions about the, you know, about the quality of parenting in this particular household, and you know, oh, these parents are neglectful, and these parents, I mean, the list goes. You can imagine what was being said about them in the main office till finally one day they're dropping off their, their student and somebody stops them. And I don't remember exactly how they got them to come into the office, but they come into the office sitting there with a rather judgmental principal who makes some comments. And then all of a sudden the mom is, you know, sobbing and the dad says, Hey, look, I just need to tell you, you know, we're living in our car. We're living in our car. And there's a campsite down the road that we can get into during the day. And it has a bathroom and a shower in it. And we think this is middle school. 
This is middle school. We think we need to be, we think that our child needs to have a shower so he's clean and doesn't smell if so he's not picked on when he comes to school. And so he's not labeled as being homeless. We're trying to hide that from everyone. And we thought we were making the better decision for our child to send him to school a little bit late rather than to send him to school in a way that he would face bullying and, you know, you know, et cetera. And I can only imagine, you know, I only heard that story a couple of times, but I can only imagine how I hope horrible, absolutely horrible, those administrators were feeling after having made judgments about parents who were struggling financially, but were making the very best decision possible for their child. And the reality, Grant, is that there are so many stories like that, right? Where we just make these assumptions. I hear, I've heard so much um, over the course of my career this, well, parents don't care about education. They don't, they're, they don't put, you know, this, this importance around education for their children, you know, this huge assumptions and judgments that are made and not knowing their story, not knowing their circumstances, not even beginning to pause to connect to even learn and listen to any of that. And and going back to what both of you have already said, nobody's saying that's easy. You know, we're not trained social workers. Many educators would say that. Well, how am I supposed to do this? I'm not a trained social worker. I don't I don't think you have to be to be a human and connect human to human, right? There's no special training in that to be able to take the time to truly connect and allow people parents, families, students, to have that sense of belonging, to understand that they belong to a community. And it's not, we can't do that. We can't build that with just the child. We have to do that with the adults that, you know, entrust us with them. And if I, as the educator, don't know how to help someone after I've heard their story, I certainly know, I certainly know of people that I can connect them. Have you don't have to do it alone. There's no way. Yeah. And so many resources in today's world in comparison, mm-hmm. right? So much help poured into our districts and and around our communities now from from the lens of social work and and support and and grant funds to to um help families and yeah, I just think that listening piece we're back there again, right? Like, I'm just going to lean in and listen. And it made me start to think about how a parent must be feeling when they can trust at least one adult in that building and they leave their kids there every day. How much more empowering is it for them to walk away and be like, okay, my child's fine. Now maybe I can take care of myself, right? Maybe the mom and the and dad in the car. Now what can we do while he or she's at school for the day in order to get our feet back on the ground, right? And and to 
And we don't have to help with that. We're doing a big part <laughs> with the student alone, right? Um, but to be able to give them that peace that that um, they can trust, you've got the you've got their child. I mean, it's their child. <laughs> we are in charge of the one thing in this world they love more than anything else, and I think we have to keep that perspective. Yeah, there's a an article in, in Education Week that I saw just recently, and it's about the work that this um, Sharon Bradley from the Plano Independent School District is doing. And she's doing a lot of work to prevent chronic absenteeism. And she's doing it. And it's a great article, and everybody should Google it. Uh, I just read it today. But she's doing a lot of work by simply meeting and talking to families about, hey, you know, how can I help you get your child to school more regularly? Clearly, there are barriers. And I just want to help, right? It's it's a different approach than the mandated truancy stuff, which is not, I understand it's 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 required and it's in many, many cases in many states, you know, it's you know, it's required, you know, by law. But that doesn't bring a that doesn't help a parent or a family necessarily bring their child to school every day. There are barriers that, that are that are in the way. And it's about understanding what those barriers are and, and helping bring those uh and helping eliminate those barriers. So there's an amazing article about the work that she's doing in the Plano Independent School District to 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 help families, parents and families, um before it gets to that whole level. And it's about meeting them where they are and listening to them and thinking about how to help them and, and, and recognizing that, hey, this parent is doing the very best they know how to do. So how can I help them do better? And that, that human connection. That human connection, right? The opposite of the deficit lens that we use toward people is recognizing their value as human beings. Yeah. And as you build trust, you dismantle fear, right? And I think that stands in the way of all of us, even in this conversation about how to trust better and how to lean into those relationships is getting over your own fear of whatever that is that stops you from wanting to understand. Um, maybe it's the fear of, right, of just not understanding well enough. And People are so willing to share once they can they can begin to see that you care. You're, you, there's no agenda. You just care. And boy, shouldn't our schools be mm. the personification of, of a human approach, right? A human approach. And of course, when we get to our next season, that's exactly what we're going to talk about, right? Is this human approach uh, to educating our children. Yeah, I think this particular area is just, I mean, we're all parents. We're all, I mean, come from different um, different stories, different backgrounds, different journeys ourselves, um, different journeys with our own children. And I think this one just, just hits hard. I think that as parents, we are doing our absolute best, regardless of where we're coming from, regardless of our circumstances. And as an educator, I I hope 
that anyone that would be listening would start to feel or see um, a stronger sense of that human connection to allow for a place to be more welcoming and so everybody can belong in, in a school system. We'll see you next time on The Wheelhouse. And that, my friends, wraps up another episode of The Wheelhouse. New episodes of Season 6 drop every Tuesday beginning November 14th and running through the end of January 2024. Throughout the holidays, we'll take a break here and there. After all, we got to go help Santa. The Wheelhouse is a production of Students Matter, LLC. Our show's theme music, Off We Go, was written and performed by Cody Martin and obtained through Soundstripe.com. If you'd like to explore this topic further and take our online series of four courses, Exploring Accomplishment-Driven Leadership, or if you have something you'd like to share or a leadership problem you'd just like to see us address, drop us a line at registrar at ourstudentsmatter.org. You can find me on Mastodon, and of course, stop by our website and check out what we offer at www.ourstudentsmatter.org. You can subscribe to this podcast on either iTunes or Spotify, and it can also be found on our website at Captivate, https colon forward slash forward slash the dash wheelhouse dot captivate dot fm forward slash episodes. If you like our show, please leave us a review. I'd love to hear what you like. Together, our goal is to continuously enhance and utilize our arenas of accomplishment-driven leadership, proving to each student and each teacher that they are both distinctive and irreplaceable is hard work. But being an educator is the noblest of all professions. Until next time, remember, we got this. We got this.